Welcome to True Spirituality Network. We are focused on spreading the gospel of God's love across the world. The Bible says, There is no fear in love, and perfect love casts out every fear. As you feed on God's love for you, allow His love to cast out every fear, worry, and anxiety. God loves you. I'm also live on Instagram and I'm live on MixLR. It's going to be an awesome ride. It's Good Friday. And you know, the reason why it's good is because Jesus make the day good. It is not the Friday that is good. It is the fact that it symbolizes a time that Jesus was nailed to the cross. So that's the reason why we call it Good Friday. You know, anytime you bring Jesus into anything, he is faithful and so good enough to make such a thing good. When you bring Jesus into your marriage, he can make your marriage good. When you bring Jesus into your business, he can make your business good. The same way this Friday is not just an ordinary Friday, but it's a good Friday because it is symbolic. And, you know, so it's not just a regular day for us. It's a time for us to remind ourselves and check and see from the scripture what Jesus did for us. You know, the gospel is all about good news and it's the good news of Christ. It's all about what Jesus has done for you. The Bible says, hearing is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, First John 4, and he gave his son for us. I know today we are in a world whereby people want to boast about their love for God. People want to boast about the things they can do for God. But actually, First John chapter 4 says, love is not our love for God. It is all about his own love for us. So we never had any love in the first place. We can't love God in our own, in our own strength. So the Bible says, actually, we love because he loved us first. So the fact that God loves you today, the more you begin to respond to that love, you begin to effortlessly love God in return. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And the number one is love. So most people want to love God. They are trying their best. But you don't be trying your best to love God. Channel on your energy to see and to study and to hear more teachings on God's love for you. Effortlessly, you will accidentally start loving God. All the things you're struggling to do now, trying to pray, trying to read your Bible, when you hear more teachings on the love of God for you, it will effortlessly begin to produce love, which is the fruit of the Spirit. So when people are trying to walk the fruit of the Spirit, you can't walk it. You have to allow it to flow. And the root of this fruit is you understanding that God loves you. So the gospel is all about what God has done for us. It has nothing to do with what we are doing for God. It's all about what he has done for us. And today is Good Friday. And Good Friday sim simply means it's a time for us to reflect and to remind ourselves the time that Jesus took our place on the cross. And it's a Friday that symbolizes the time that Jesus was nailed to the cross of Calvary. And I'm going to walk you through the scripture to make you see the significance, to see how powerful it was, that it wasn't just an average man that, that, that died on the cross. It wasn't an angel. It was the son of the living God himself. In fact, if you don't know too much about the scripture, and you understand that the person who died for you on that cross was God himself, or better still, is God himself. You understand God loves you so much. Can you picture, I know, and every person knows that God is holy. The holy, 
all powerful, almighty, omnipotent, omniscience God. Can you picture the same person you have on your head as the omnipotent? You know the way Nigerians or Africans, we, 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 we magnify our God. Can you picture that same God who is big, large, great? Can you picture the same God loving you so much to leave all his kingship, all the heavenship, citizenship, and he became one like us to the point of death, all because he wants to communicate one message to you. I love you. If God will allow Jesus to die for you, you are special. Don't let anybody tell you that nobody cares about you. Don't let them say things like, you're just a mistake. You are not a mistake. God loves you. Somebody cares so much about you. And he didn't just care about you in words. He cared to the point of taking your place on the cross of Calvary. If you can picture that the same holy God is the same God that loves you so much to die for your sins, then you will effortlessly begin to respond to the love of God for you. The cross of Calvary, it's a picture of God's love paying a ransom to God's holiness. So God loves you and God is a holy God. And the bridge by which those two identity, those two nature of God met was the cross of Calvary. So I'm going to walk you through the scripture, make you see a couple of things. But to start with, God loves you. It's not a theory. It's not a cliche. It has to be a reality for you. And that's the truth of the matter. You are loved by God. If your friends don't like you, God likes you. It doesn't matter who likes you. It doesn't matter who comments on your picture on Instagram. It doesn't matter who gives you the likes or who doesn't give you the likes. You have God's like every single time of the day. So you are secured and safe in the love of God. It doesn't matter who rejects you. It doesn't matter if anybody says, I don't want to be your friend again. Don't call me again. It doesn't matter whether they block you on WhatsApp. You're still loved by God. You're special. You're precious. And you should see yourself the way God sees you. You are not alone. When you go through stuff in life, if you're listening to this and you're going through issues of life and you've been moved to the world, you're going through storms and then you're going through situations and challenges you didn't, you didn't budget, you didn't plan for, God is in the midst of the storm with you. God is in the situation with you. He will never leave nor forsake you. He is always with you. Focus on him. Look unto him. The author and the finisher of your faith. Never feel lonely because you are never alone. He is with you. He is for you. He will never leave nor forsake you. That's the God you serve. And that's what the good news of God is all about. That's what the gospel is all about. That you are not alone in this journey. God loves you so much. He boxed himself in your heart in form of the Holy Spirit so that he can abide with you forever. The Bible calls him the comforter. Have you ever allowed the Holy Spirit to comfort you before when you go to situations? Because he will comfort you when you are in the midst of losing it. You are, you are like, Holy Spirit, I didn't just want to talk to anybody. And he will just come and comfort you in the midst at the peak of your situations. He loves you so much. Don't be too strong for him. Be vulnerable to him. Let him help you. He's your helper. Most of the time we try to help ourselves. We try our best. Stop trying your best. Start to rest in, in him and let him do what only him can do. And in fact, the fact that you are trying your best, you are just using all your strength is the proof that it's not your battle. Let God fight his battle. Say, Lord, the battle is yours. I've never even started preaching. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for what you have in store for us today. Open our eyes to see Jesus in the beauty of his holiness. In Jesus' mighty name. I like those people say, Amen. Everybody open the book of Leviticus chapter 5. I am one of the few preachers that want to preach. <laughs> I want to preach Good Friday from the Old Testament and then from the book of Leviticus. I want to unveil Jesus from the book of Leviticus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Leviticus chapter 5 or Leviticus, choose one. 
chapter five thank you holy spirit it's gonna be an awesome ride i radically guarantee you god has so many things to offer you leviticus chapter five i'm gonna start reading from verse one let me give you an overview if, if you read your bible very well the book of leviticus is one of those books people don't like to read <laughs> and everybody the grace of god i like to teach places where people don't like to read because if you like to read it then i don't have anything to teach <laughs> so places like song of solomon people don't like to read it i've made a whole series on the book of song of solomon you can read it on catch it online just type song of solomon any chapter chapter one or chapter two or chapter three by akimika google it it's doing all the series i made on those things so you can just listen to them i've made teachings on places books people don't like to, to read if you have any book right now any place in the bible you you need answers to you have any question send me a dm send us a dm we'll make a video for you we'll answer your question any biblical question send them in but anyway leviticus chapter five thank you jesus i'm going to start reading from verse one the bible says if anyone sins because they do not speak up when they hear a public charge to testify regarding something they have seen or learned about they'll be held responsible verse two if anyone becomes aware that they are guilty if they unwillingly touch anything ceremonially unclean and they are unaware that they have become unclean, but they come to realize their guilt, or if they touch human uncleanliness, the reason I'm posting is because some of these things are in brackets. I don't want to read the bracket. Even though they are unaware of it, but they learn of it and realize their guilt, or if anyone thoughtlessly take an oath or to do anything, whether good or evil, even though they are unaware of it, but even when they learn of it and realize their guilt, when anyone becomes aware that they are guilty in any of these matters, they must confess in what they have sinned. So technically, just to make it easy for you guys, the scripture is saying if you take an oath, you know, some of you, if you have an ex, you used to be in a relationship and you promised the lady or you promised the guy, uh, you know you know what I will, I will buy you Lamborghini. i will do this for you you are the only sugar in my tea i promise you it will just me and you and then you guys broke up well you took an oath according to this law so the bible says you must confess that was the old testament law and but that's not all and i, I just wanted to pay close attention i want to say so many things i need you to pay close attention so the scripture says when you realize you've sinned, when you realize you are guilty, the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 5, as at the law at that time, the Bible says you must confess that you have sinned. That's what the Bible says in verse 5. And then verse 6, now listen very carefully. As a penalty for the sin they have committed, they must bring to the Lord a female lamb. Stop, 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 stop. Wait, wait, wait. I thought, God, you said if I realize I've done something wrong, I should just confess. Yes, that was what Leviticus 5, 5 says. But five, verse 6 now continues. As a penalty. Wait, wait, wait. If I confess my sin, why is there a penalty? Listen, pause for a moment. We're in the New Testament. We're in the New Covenant. That's the best way to put it. We're in the New Covenant. And when you make mistakes in life, God is not mad at you. God is not angry at you. No matter what you've done, God is not angry with you. He loves you. You may stop loving him, <laughs> but he can never stop loving you. That's the God you serve. But listen, in this, according to this law, in the book of Leviticus 5, it says, once you realize you've done something wrong, come and confess. You must confess. But if I finish confessing, that should be hard. He said, that's not all. He said, as a penalty for the sin you've committed, you must bring to the Lord. Stop for a moment. To who? Just to the Lord a female lamb one or goat from the flock 
as a sin offering. This is called sin offering. So sin offering, Bible students, will be asked, what is sin offering? Very simple, chemical. Sin offering is when you do something wrong and you remember, you must confess and then as to, to um, as a penalty, you must bring a lamp. It's called 1010 10 or 100, 100. Do you understand? Just follow closely. I'm taking it one step at a time to make it easy for everybody. Leviticus 5 defines sin offering. Sin offering is when I do something wrong, whether I know or I don't know, when I take an oath, or maybe with my ex, or my ex-ex, I promised her, or she promised me, she didn't catch up, and now we, are, we broke up. <laughs> well, I'm rhyming. I'm rhyming. Catch up, broke up. <laughs> anyway, and then we broke up, and then at the end of the day, I now realize that I've done something wrong, so I must confess one, and then as a penalty, I must bring a lamb. Do you understand? That's what Leviticus 5 is talking about. That's what the scripture says. So if you read it further, the Bible says, you must bring a female lamb or a goat from the flock as a sin offering, and the priest, listen, this is very powerful, and the priest shall make atonement for them for their sins. If you read further, it says, if you can't afford a lamb, then you can bring those. God is so gracious. God is always willing to come down to your level. If you can't afford a lamb, if you don't have enough money, and then you, you sinned, God says, you know what, you can bring those. You don't have those, you know what, and God is just coming down to your level. God is so gracious. But that was the law in the book of Leviticus, chapter 5, and our forefathers lived by this law. All the children of Israel, all of these guys, lived by this law. Just hold on to that for a moment. I'm just going to bring it all together. So once again, you bring the lamb after you've confessed, though, it is after you confessed. And then as a penalty, you bring the lamb to the priest, and then the priest does what they call atonement. What does atonement mean? For you to be born again, you must know what atonement means. If, if you are born again, you don't know what atonement means, then you need king. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, guys. So very simple. Atonement is any sacrifice that has to be blood. It's more like a redemption kind of thing. So, for example, in the context of Leviticus chapter 5, the Bible says you bring a lamb or you bring a goat or you bring anything, and then you bring that thing. Listen. If you read other places, because in the book of Leviticus, there are so many types of offering. There, there's a sin offering, trespass offering, there is bond offering, there's meal offering. There are five major offerings in the book of Leviticus. So, but the, the whole compendium is you bring it to the priest, and then the priest go and help you beg God on your behalf and say, God, this is the he has brought a lamb. The lamb, if you read in depth of Leviticus, the lamb must be blameless. It's one of the criteria, very, very important. It must be spotless. It is very important. Because if your lamb is not spotless, then your sins can never be forgiven. If your lamb is spotless, so what happens is the priest brings the lamb because, listen, you committed a sin. You did something wrong. And Romans 3.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Sin is the only place you can walk and you must not collect the salary. Okay, you get the joke. The wages of sin is death. So when you work for sin, you must not get this alike. I hope you get the joke. Anyway, so the Bible says there must be an atonement. So the priest would kill the lamb so that when they kill the lamb you brought, because you brought the lamb, the moment they kill that lamb, listen, that means the guilty you will take the place of the innocent lamb and the innocent lamb has taken the place of the guilty you. The reason why they will kill that lamb is because somebody must die if you commit a sin. And then the reason why the lamb is dying is because of the wrong you did. So another way to put it is you do something wrong, 
the lamb that didn't do anything will pay for it now listen the moment the lamb pays for it and there's a shedding of blood you become free you are completely forgiven that is the law in the old testament you do something wrong you bring a lamb you confess you bring a lamb to the priest and then the priest says lord this is the lamb and then they they they, 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 they kill the lamb or the goat and then they do don't forget the lamb didn't do anything wrong you did everything wrong but because you brought a lamb to the priest when they kill the lamb because the lamb has taken your place because the wages of sin is dead. So the lamb has died. Then you are justified. So that means before you approach the priest, or before you, let's imagine you are trying to go and give the priest your lamb, you were the guilty person. And then your lamb was the innocent. But after the sacrifice, the, the lamb becomes guilty and then you become innocent because your lamb has died. So you must leave. Are you getting what I'm trying to communicate? So that was the law in the Old Testament. And then the whole covenant is just a shadow of what is to come. One last time, the old covenant according to Leviticus chapter 5, God said they must bring a lamb after they confess their sin as a penalty, bring a lamb because the wages of sin, of sin is dead. So somebody must die. So God said, I don't want you to die. So you bring a lamb that is blameless and spotless. Let the lamb die. Are you getting the message already? This is just so powerful. Right? Let the lamb die so that you can leave. So that when the lamb dies, you leave. That was the law in the old covenant. It's going to make sense to you right now. So it's called sin offering. So the blameless lamb becomes guilty and the guilty you becomes blameless. You know why? It's not because God overlooks what you did. It's because yeah, on judicially speaking, you have paid for your sin. Holy Spirit. Judicially speaking, you have paid for your sins. Did, did, did you understand what I just said? Once again, Leviticus 5, the summary is that the blameless lamb becomes guilty because he died. And then the guilty you that you were guilty before, you become blameless because you brought a lamb. So that means you have paid. Does it make sense to you? You have paid for your sins. So before, let's say five minutes before you got to the priest's place, you were guilty. Five minutes after the, the priest sacrificed, you are not blameless. That means it's almost as if you never did anything wrong. Does it make sense to you? That was the law in the Old Testament. I took time to explain this thing because I'm going somewhere. So that was the law in the Old Covenant. I preached this. In fact, we thought I'm preaching some of you already get the message. I hope you know today the reason why Jesus died on the cross of Calvary is because it was the same picture that happened in Leviticus chapter 5. Bible says all, including you listening to me, all have sinned and fortunate of the glory of God. And then the wages of sin is dead. Because why? God is a holy God. And then because man has fallen short of the glory, man must die. So according to the law in Leviticus chapter 5, don't forget, when you do something wrong, you must confess and bring a lamp that didn't do anything wrong so that the lamp can be killed in your place and then you can live in the place of the lamp. How many of you know today that Jesus is our sin offering? So that means Jesus didn't do anything wrong. The Bible says in him is no sin. Another place in the Bible says he committed no sin. Another place says he knew no sins. But guess what? On the cross of Calvary, he died. I will say this statement. It may take you time to confirm it. The only reason why Jesus could die is because he was taking your sin on the cross of Calvary. Jesus would never have died. He would still be alive till now if he wasn't taking your sin on the cross of Calvary. The only reason, because he was blameless, he was spotless. He never committed a sin. He didn't know anything. In him is no sin. But he died. 
So it, 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 it obeyed the law in the book of Leviticus 5 that when you want to make atonement for yourself, you must bring a worthy lamb, a blameless and a spotless lamb. So the guilty you can be free after, only after the lamb has been slaughtered for your atonement. On the cross of Calvary, Jesus took your place so that you can take his place. This is what makes Good Friday good because this news is so good. Even me, I'm preaching good. And I'm, I love what I'm hearing right now. So once again, Jesus didn't do anything wrong. You did everything wrong. You took the place of Jesus because Jesus has taken your place. So on the cross, Jesus died, not because he did anything wrong, but because he was taking your place. The wages of sin is death. And because all have sinned, unfortunately, the glory of God, man is supposed to die. But God loves man so much, he allowed the blameless Jesus to die so that the guilty you can live. So Jesus took your place so that you can take his place. He became sin so that he can become the righteousness of God. He was condemned so that you would never be condemned. That fulfilled the law in the book of Leviticus chapter 5. So Jesus today is your sin offering. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So put it together. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. In him is no sin. He knew no sin. But you all have sinned unfortunately, the glory of God. And you still do something wrong to today. Your actions are not 100% perfect. But you know what? Jesus took your place. He took the judgment. He took the penalty. That's the way Leviticus chapter 5 put it. He took your penalty so that you can be justified today. The reason why there's no more condemnation for you today, even when you do something wrong, is not because God is now gentle and anything goes. No! God is still a just God. He's still righteous. It's because on the cross of Calvary, the person who died was not just a mere man. He wasn't an angel. He was the son of the living God. And then the fact that Jesus died, you must live. In fact, this is what makes God a holy God. Most of the time when people come and say, well, uh, some people are just preaching the love of God, but they don't preach the holiness of God. If you want to talk about holiness of God and you're not preaching what I'm preaching right now, then it's not accurate to the scripture. Because what it means to be holy, let me walk you through it. What it means to be just, righteous, holy, is that you must maintain your standard. And the standard is this. All have seen unfortunately the glory of God. So because God is a holy God, nobody can meet up with the standard. The man must die. God is a holy God. You want, you want me to preach the holiness of God? Let me preach the holiness of God to you. God is a holy God. Nobody can catch up with the standard. So man must die. Should I tell you something? The fact that God allowed Jesus to die is the proof that God is a holy God. Don't try nonsense with God. Just kidding. <laughs> but let me tell you something. If you stop there, then you don't understand the scripture. Stop. The fact that, did Jesus do anything wrong? No. So listen, listen. If you say God is a holy God and you say God killed Jesus, even if he didn't do anything wrong, it is against the nature of the holiness you are preaching. Do you understand what I'm talking about? For you to say God is just, he's holy, then God must not kill the innocent man. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You must be consistent with the nature of God when you preach the nature of God. So if you want me to preach the holiness of God, I will preach it this way. God is so holy, he won't overlook sin. So man was supposed to die, but guess what? Jesus took the place of man. Stop. For God to still be holy in the consistency of the preaching you're preaching about the nature of the holiness of God, then you must leave. Listen, if Jesus died for you, God must judicially allow you to live for Jesus. The fact that Jesus took your place to be consistent with God is a holy God that you preach, that you must let people live for Christ. Because if you are not telling people that they are righteous today, they are justified today, they are, they are, they are, there's no more condemnation for them today, then you are not preaching the consistent nature of God. 
Today, you are not righteous because, well, by mercy. No, no, you are righteous because of what Jesus has done for you. He literally took your place. So you can take his place. If Jesus died for you, you must live for him. This is personally why I think believers are different from believers. Because not every believer has come to the reality of this rhema. He took your place. Then you should. In fact, God declared you righteous today. Even when you make mistakes in life. Because in life, you will make mistakes. This is what I'm just trying to say. You, you just have to get it this way. So your mistakes will not define you. Because Jesus took your nature. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He became sin. You know what? If you want to preach the consistent nature of God, then you must say you, be, you are the righteousness of God. How? You became the righteousness of God in Christ. I, I don't mind repeating this over and over because this is the essence of the cross. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, if you don't understand the exchange, then you won't appreciate the cross. Because on that cross, it was no joke. You see, the burden of what was going to happen to Jesus on the cross was so much that when Jesus sensed it in the spirit, in the garden of Gethsemane, he began to sweat, and his sweat was almost like that of blood. Just to let you know, what he, he hasn't even begun the suffering. He just sensed what the cup looks like. He said, Lord, he's like this cup pass over. But, you know, he thought about the fact that, you know, if Jesus didn't die for us, if he wouldn't die for you, then you have to die for yourself. So Jesus came up with a conclusion. He said, you know what? I love those people. And I would prefer to die than to allow Yinka to die. If you tell me not to live for Jesus today, then I don't know what you want me to live for. All my life, I want to preach the gospel of Christ. And I'm not preaching mixed gospel. I'm preaching the radical gospel of Christ. I'm coming out to come and preach. God loves you radically, independent of you, no matter what you do, no matter what happens to you in life. You think the death of Jesus was a joke. This is why, personally, I'm not okay with the fact that people, when they want to come and preach the gospel today, they still preach a mixed gospel. I'm not okay with it. Do you know what it cost God to get the gospel out to you? It cost him the death of his son. I don't know how people will see Jesus die for the sin of the world and they'll still come and tell you, well, uh, you are saved, but you are partially saved. Don't think, no, no. You come out and preach the radical gospel because the person who died on the cross of Calvary was not a mere man, was not an angel. He was the son of the living God. So if you could know what really happened on the cross, you wouldn't come out and come and preach this gospel. You have to tell people you are unveiling the nature, the goodness of God. God loves you so much, allow just to die for you. And then what do you think you want to do today that can change God's love about you? It's too late. You're already stuck with the love of God for life. I, I really wish everybody can really be honest and start preaching this gospel. It cost God the death of his son. We can't be mixing gospel. We can't be twisting gospel. In fact, God loves the gospel so much. God said anybody that preaches any other gospel, apart from the gospel of Christ, let him be cursed. It's the book of Galatians 1. The way God is so protective about the gospel, it's just about God's goodness. Believe on the name of Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved and your household. And then people say things like, well, you should preach more on repentance. Sir, read your Bible. I know I just, before I even say some things, I just want to make sure people and people talking to know their Bible very well. Because when people want to argue, most of the time, they don't even know their Bible. But if you see people who argue about this unconditional love of God, you say, but God, God loves you, but don't add but to the love of God. Because if you add buts to it, you have you just slide away the on in the unconditional love of God. We have to understand the gospel is so good. It's so good. In fact, this is what makes Good Friday good. 
Good Friday will not be good if it's not all about the good news of Christ. The only thing that must come out of any preacher's mouth sent from God should be just good news. Just believe in Jesus and it will transform your life from the inside out. Hey, boy, I can't call, hey, me, I need money. Believe in Jesus is your prosperity. <laughs> boy, you come in. Believe in Jesus and you'll be amazed. He works in you to will and to do. You receive him. He will work in you. He gave you the Holy Spirit. Anyway, don't let me digress too much. So long story short is, so that was what happened in Leviticus chapter 5. Once again, the whole story is all about the fact that when you do something wrong, whether intentionally or unintentionally, the whole emphasis of the, of the offering in Leviticus chapter 5 is that you must confess your sin first. But confessions of sin in Leviticus 5 cannot forgive your sin. So God took it a step further. Leviticus chapter 5 verse 6. God said, as a penalty for that sin. But God, I thought we confessed. Under the law, apart from confessing, you must still do a sacrifice. Because without shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Do, do you get it right now? I, I just want to come at Leviticus 5 for the rest of the session. So God told them as a penalty. But God, I thought they confessed. Well, even when they confessed their sin, there must be a penalty. Because why? God is a holy God. So thank God there was a penalty for all of our sins. You know where it is? On the cross of Calvary. So Jesus died. The fact that Jesus died is the proof that God is a holy God. God is so holy. Tries holy. Holy, holy, holy. And if you want to preach the holiness of God, and you want to be telling people, get right or get left. <laughs> you better turn to God or you will burn. <laughs> you want to start escaping with air fire. To be consistent with the preaching that God is holy, then you must also tell people that the fact that Jesus died for their sins to be consistent with what you're preaching, then they must live for the righteousness of God. Because God is so holy, and according to the law, if God, or if there's any shedding of blood, then there's now remission of sin. The fact that a lamb will be brought to a priest, the lamb or the goat or the dove did not do anything wrong. The man who commits a sin, the guilty man, brings a blameless lamb to the priest. And at the end of the sacrifice, they kill the innocent lamb so that you, the guilty you, can be innocent. So the innocent lamb becomes you. You becomes the innocent lamb. It's, an, it's a switch. That has been the law from the time of Moses. The Bible says the law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came to Jesus Christ. So even though you confess your sins, according to Leviticus 5, verse 6 says, as a penalty, there must be a penalty because God is a holy God. So that's why God said you must bring a lamb to the priest. But thank God, a time came, we no longer had to consistently bring a lamb. Because there was one lamb who was worthy that he took the sins of the entire universe. He put it on his shoulder and he died on the cross of Calvary. The gospel is so good today. The fact that Jesus died, if you're born again today, then you should live for the righteousness of God. The same way Jesus took your place, then you must take his place. And this is what Christianity is all about. Till we die, we'll keep figuring out, we'll keep unraveling our, our identity and our, what's it called, our, all the assets we have in God through Christ. Because if Jesus became you to the point of death, then you must become him, or at salvation, you became him. In fact, this is what the Bible says, as Jesus is, present tense, so are you in this world. Because Jesus, when he died on the cross of Calvary, 
he died for you and he died as you so that today you can live for him and live as him that's powerful so today you are not just a mere man you are not just any kind of guy you are the righteousness of god in christ to be consistent with the nature of god don't come and tell me well just die for my sin if you are not sure and you are not convinced that you are the righteousness of god because for you to say just die for your sin you must know that you're also living for his righteousness do you know what i'm talking about it has to be consistent because everybody knows that just die for their sins but not everybody knows that because he has he took your place for you to tell me you believe that jesus died for your sin then you should be able to also tell me and convince me that you are the righteousness of god because jesus did not die for sin because he did anything wrong because he committed the sin no he took your place because he took your identity so that you can have his identity it's called the love of god so jesus took your place so that you can take his place it's called the love of god it's called the love of god think about it every way anyhow it's called the radical love of god so today there's freedom in christ there is hope for you in christ today we can approach the same holy god and say father and then you won't feel guilty about it you know why because jesus took all the penalty for all your sins on the cross of calvary so today you are not forgiven until your next mistake you are radically and forever forgiven in christ for you to tell me otherwise then you don't really believe that just died for your sins i mean then you are you are disregarding the death of jesus if you think jesus was the author of your faith then let him finish your faith don't think we well, just started it now finish it no 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 the same person that started your faith is the finish of your faith the only thing you need to do for god should i tell you is to believe if you believe in god that's all you have to do the book of john is one of the best books people use for um evangelism all this missionary there is the book of john a lot in fact the most popular place in the scripture is john 3 16 and the book of john has so many stories that the book of matthew mark and luke does not have it is only the book of john that showed us what happened to the woman in john chapter 4 woman at the at the well it's only the book of john that that showed us the record of what happened to the woman in john chapter 8. there are some stories in the book of john that is only recorded by john most of the parables that happened in matthew repeated itself in mark and luke but there are some content that were only they were exclusive to john only but guess what in the book of john the word believe was mentioned over 90 times in the book of john there was no time that the word repent was mentioned because god knows when you begin to believe right you can't help it you begin to live right so many people today they are trying to control their actions they're trying to well i, I want to try my best i want to please god no 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 the only way to please god is to believe that god is pleased with you and automatically you are pleasing him you know why because of what just done for you for me once upon a time i tried all my possible blessed to best to try to please god i'm trying to please god once upon a time i'm like god i want to please you so i tried my best when i do this i feel as if i'm not doing enough when i do this i feel like I'm, and then i tried my best to please god until the time i i, I got the rema that god is already pleased with me you can't please him the bible says in fact that where is this place in the scripture? <laughs> the Holy Spirit. It takes okay, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Where is this place in the scripture that talks about the fact that, oh, thank you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
and it's in the scripture. So you just have to come to a place and understand the fact that the person who died on the cross of Calvary was not a mere man. He is the son of the living God. I'm going to wrap up on this note. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Romans 4, 25. Romans 4, 25. I'm going to read TPT version. It says, Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins. This is in the scripture. The reason why he was handed over, the reason why he died, the Bible says in black and white, is for the forgiveness of your sins. The same way in the book of Leviticus chapter 5, when you bring a lamb to the priest, you'll be free. So the lamb dies, you are set free. You were supposed to die, but the moment the lamb dies, you are set free. And then today, Jesus is our atonement, is our sin offering. And then because Jesus died for you on the cross of Calvary, today you are free. There's no more condemnation for you. The Bible says, if anyone be in Christ, is a new creature, all things have passed away. So today you have a new slate with God. God loves you so much because you accepted Jesus. God accepted you independent and irrespective of what you do or what you don't do. God loves you. God doesn't love you because you are good. He loves you because he is good and his mercy is enjoyed forever. So you just have to understand that everything we are getting from God today is not because we deserve it. It came through what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Once upon a time in the old covenant, you have to be good before you can get anything good from God. In fact, before you can get anything good from God, you have to deserve it. So you have to earn it. But thank God from the time of Jesus, it has nothing to do with what we do anymore. Because Jesus on the cross of Calvary, every one of us, he gave us a spot in the heart of God that we didn't deserve. So today, we deserve the best of everything. You know why? Because Jesus took your worst of everything. So you must take the best of everything. This is why the Bible says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as you're so prosper. So prosperity is your inheritance in Christ. Lack is not your portion. Poverty is not your portion. Because Jesus took all of these things for you. And you must understand. The reason why you can't be poor is not because, oh, you can me. I always do this for God. I always do this. I always evangelize. I always pray in the morning. No. Don't put it back to your works. Nobody can be justified by the works. <laughs> you understand? We are all saved by grace so that none of us can boast. The reason why you are blessed today and you will be radically blessed in Christ, the more you begin to rest in him, is when you begin to naturally acknowledge Jesus and what he has done for you. In fact, you will see more results in life when you don't put effort on your works, when you just glorify Jesus' finished works on the cross of Calvary. We will have to understand it's all about Jesus and what he has done. I have to wrap up. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 5. How many of you know today that Jesus is our high priest? Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1 says, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in the matters relating, related to God. So what an high priest means is this. An high priest is somebody who represents you in the sight of God. An high priest is somebody who represents you in the sight of God. To make you understand what it means is that it's like this. You know what a prophet is, right? Let me quickly explain this. A prophet, the difference between an high priest and a prophet is this. 
A prophet is somebody who represents God to the people. So the prophet is representing God and is conveying a message. He's standing on behalf of God. That's a prophet. That's the, 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 like the ministry of the prophet. But an high priest is the exact opposite. An high priest is represent, representing men to God. So he's standing on behalf of men towards God. So once again, a prophet is standing on behalf of God to man, but if an high priest is standing on behalf of men to God. So when an high priest, when you have an high priest with God, that literally means you have somebody who is representing you. If you read the book of um, Old Testament a lot, if you read the book of Exodus precisely, there are so many places, I think Exodus chapter 28, that talks about the fact that Aaron was the first high priest. So that means anytime they want anything from God or they, they, want, to, they want to get in quote, they want to know they are standing with God. Aaron represents the children of Israel and then he speaks to God on their behalf. He, he was more like their mediator. But today, every born again believer, Jesus is our high priest. And you would not really appreciate that until, you know, there's a place in the book of Leviticus chapter 4. Sorry, I'm taking back to the book of Leviticus today. I just think we should start preaching from these places in the scripture. Leviticus chapter 4. I'm going to read just a couple of verses. Leviticus chapter 4. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, When anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's command, verse 3, if the anointed priest sins, bring, sorry, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilty, what am I reading? <laughs> bringing guilt on the people. Stop. In the Old Testament, even their high priest can commit a sin. And when he sins, he brings guilt on the people. An high priest is the only person that if he does something wrong, all of you are in trouble. An high priest is the only person that if he's not doing everything right, all of you are in trouble. An high priest is the only person that his actions can influence every other person. If your high priest is good, and then the people are bad, which is always the, the situation in the time of the children of Israel, then God will still relate with you guys as based on the goodness of the high priest. If the high priest is bad or if he does something wrong and the people are good, God will relate with everybody based on the standing of the high priest. Do you understand what I mean? Once again, an high priest is somebody who, that is representing men to God. A prophet represents God to men. So an high priest, whether he's good, God relates with everybody as good. If your high priest is bad, God relates with everybody based on the standing of the high priest, irrespective of whether everybody's standing or not. So your high priest determines a lot of things. But thank God today that Jesus is our high priest. I'm going to be understand that you believe and you know that Jesus is your high priest. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, a very popular place in the scripture, verse 15. The Bible says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet he did not commit a sin, or yet he did not sin. So Jesus is our high priest today. That means God doesn't relate with you based on your goodness. God relates with you based on your high priest goodness. If your high priest is good, then you are good. Guess what? Jesus is forever good in the sight of God. Your high priest is blameless because Jesus is blameless. So that means you are blameless in the sight of God. That means when the devil is trying to point you to your weakness, he's trying to point you to the things you're not doing enough, you can say, hey, bro, 
Oh, don't call him bro. He's not a good bro. Just say, hey, then, Jesus is my high priest. <laughs> and if Jesus is my high priest, God doesn't relate with me based on me. He relates with me based on my high priest. And if Jesus is accepted in the sight of God, I am accepted in the sight of God. This is what the scripture means when it says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. So today, God loves you. Jesus died for you on the cross of Calvary. Not just for you. He died as you. Please, I want you to live for him and live as him. So you are living for Jesus because he died for you. Also live as him because he died as you. That means you start seeing yourself the way Jesus would see himself because you are exactly as Jesus is in this, in this world. Not my world. First John chapter 4 verse 19. It says, as Jesus is, so are you in this world. So once again, as a wrap up, when we talk about Good Friday and what just did for you on the cross of Calvary, this is the basics for everything you will ever achieve in your Christian walk with God. Your righteousness today is based on this truth that Jesus died for your sin. If he took your sin, then he must give you his righteousness because Jesus is not a thief. He said, I have come to give you life until I can have it abundance. So in order to give you life, he has to take your sin. And then he took your sin and then you have his life when you got born again. It said it's an exchange. It's called divine exchange. The same way when Adam disobeyed in the beginning, he made everybody a sinner. Independent and irrespective of their consent or, or their action. Adam never needed your consent <laughs> to make you a sinner. He just did something wrong and everything went wrong. You know what? By the same token, Jesus did everything right. And everything is now right. And we are now standing right with God. On Sunday, or hopefully Monday, I'll preach a message and let you understand the reason why Jesus rose from the dead. And the reason why Jesus rose from the dead, I go to Romans 4.25, just to get ahead of myself, is for your justification. The fact that Jesus is alive today is the proof that you are forever righteous and justified in the sight of God. He met every judgment, every penalty of your sins. He died for the sins of the world and all of your sins. Psalm 103 verse 3 says, he will forgive all your sins. All your sins today are forgiven. You know why? Because Jesus died for it. For you to think maybe God has not forgiven you any of your sin is the proof that you are ignoring what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary for you. That means you don't fully believe that Jesus died for your sins. All your sins are radically forgiven. So God doesn't have anything against you. God is not mad at you. Newsflash, God is not angry with you. You know, when I say things like this, most of the time, the devil wants to remind you the things you're not doing right. But it depends. Whose voice do you want to listen to? Whose report do you want to listen to? God's report or the devil's report? God loves you. And nothing can separate you from that love. Not even your silliness. God loves you. He wants you to understand this thing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. One last time. Jesus did not just die for you. He died as you. Stop seeing yourself. Start seeing yourself in the light of Christ. Don't just know who you are outside Christ. Know more about who you are in Christ. Don't identify with your weakness. Don't identify with your the things you're not doing enough. Begin to identify with Christ and you begin to see the result manifest in your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
Father, we thank you because you begin to make us understand that Jesus took our place on the cross of Calvary so that we can take his place. Thank you for letting us know that Jesus died as us so that we can live as him. Lord, let this reality begin to manifest in our work and our daily lives. Let these words begin to bear fruit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I will pray. And let God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, by Sunday, it should be Sunday or Monday, one of the two. But Sunday and Monday, I'll be preaching on the resurrection of Christ. And it's going to be an awesome time. But don't forget this for anything. All your sins are forgiven. Because somebody died. It's the same token in the Old Testament. And you must believe this thing. So you are a free man today. If you are born again and you believe just died for your sins, then stop keeping yourself. Stop condemning yourself. Somebody was condemned for you. If you believe he was condemned for you, then you just live in justification. Call God your father. Don't let all the devil to haunt you anymore. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right, thank you so much, everybody. If you're joining us for the first time, this is True Spirituality Network, and we fellowship every day. And on MixLR, you can join us. Follow us on MixLR, True Spirituality Network. you get notification when we go live. And then if you're yet to register for Cape Adulam Academy, we have an academy coming up in May. The registration is still on till April 15. You can register from any part of the world. We have more people actually registering from more part of the world. And we have people from UK, people from Ireland, people from US, people from Canada. I'm in Canada, so <laughs> I'm in Canada. We have people in Nigeria. So if, if you want to register, register before April 15. And then the class starts by May. We start the class in May. It's going to end in June. It's going to be three classes a week. And it's going to be a radical teaching of the word of God. Once you are done and you come out of the academy, I'm so sure you won't be the same person anymore. You'll be the peer pressure anywhere you find yourself. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. If there's any question you have, send us a DM. We'll answer your question. We have over 600 content online. You can catch up with all, all of our... <laughs> okay, so I said I'm from... <laughs> oh, sorry. So we have somebody from... Okay, don't worry. Um, bless you. I'm, I'm going to answer your question immediately after the session. I'm just going to reach out to you. Just send me a DM. Just say, hey, or just say, hi. I'm just going to reply to you. Thank you so much, everybody. We have over 600 content online. We preach the radical gospel, just the love of God. That's the only thing we preach on this platform. Radical love of God. Over free, 600 free audio you can download. You can even listen Spotify. We have a Telegram channel. Follow us. We have audio mark followers. We have Spotify. Just use any of the platform. Just listen to these things. I've thought on almost all topics you can think about. It's all about good news. Because they are not, they are not, they are not too, in fact, in the world, people don't preach good news on the news. On the news, when you carry newspaper, you don't hear, well, today on the news flash, there are 21,303 planes that landed safely. You don't hear things like that. What you hear is, hey, there's a plane crash. It's because there's so many bad news in the world. So we only preach good news in the place and the house of God. And it's only the goodness of Christ that can transform people. People, The Bible says it has power to transform us. All right. So it's, it's been an awesome ride, everybody. So just catch up with all of this content online. They are for free. Just click on the link in my bio. You will see over 600 free podcast free content they will bless your life all right thank you so much everybody god bless you i'll see you guys some other time
If you have been blessed by this message, we invite you to partner with us to send the gospel of God's love to all nations. Send us an email on truespiritualitynetwork at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms, True Spirituality Network on both Facebook and Instagram, T-Spirituality on Telegram, and Akimika on YouTube. So catch up with all our podcasts, search for Akimika on all major platforms, including Spotify, audio mark and anchor as you feed on god's love for you allow his love to cast out every fear and remember it's not about you it's all about jesus welcome to true spirituality network we are focused on spreading the gospel of god's love across the world The Bible says there is no fear in love and perfect love casts out every fear. As you feed on God's love for you, allow his love to cast out every fear, worry and anxiety. God loves you. We know the word of God. The more we feed on it, the more the best version of ourselves begins to manifest. In Jesus' mighty name, I have prayed. And let God's people say, Amen. Good morning, everybody. This is morning in Canada time. Today is April 7, 2021. And it's another time to feed on the Word of God. The Gospel is all about good news. Just pure good news. If technically, technically, anytime you want to hear any sermon in the entire universe <laughs> if the preacher is preaching the radical gospel if the preacher is preaching the pure gospel the whole summer will be full of good news just good news because when jesus resurrected and he told the disciples he told them he said preach this good news to the entire creature it's all about good news and what is the good news the good news is there is no more enmity between you and god you know why it's all because of what jesus has done on the cross of calvary the good news is God is no longer angry with you. God is not mad at you. You know why? Because Jesus took your place on the cross. And if God is not mad at you, if God is not condemning you, then stop condemning yourself. Stop guilt-tripping yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Don't beat yourself. Jesus was beaten for your sake. It will be a love double-dropper devaluated if you're beating yourself again. The love double-dropper is you must not punish somebody for his sin two times so if jesus took your place he took your punishment he took your condemnation god was angry at jesus i would never be angry at you in quote god left jesus on the cross because he was taking your sins and jesus confirmed by saying my god my god he called god god because he was no longer at that time taking his own place he was taking your place and when jesus called god god he said why we forsake him God left him at a point on the cross. You know why? It was because he was taking your sins. And then for Jesus to take your sin, if you're born again today, you are taking his righteousness. You are not trying to be righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And this is pure good news. You are not trying to be blessed. Jesus was cursed for you 
so that you can be blessed for him and then the fact that he has been cursed is the proof that you are blessed jesus is not trying to be cursed for you on the cross he did that in the past that means when you go born again as well in the past you automatically became the blessed of god so everything bad happened to jesus so that everything good can happen to you and that's what the goodness of god is all about hallelujah thank you jesus are you ready for the word i know technically i'm supposed to preach on the book of psalms today but god laid a a new sermon in my heart and i just want to share that with you today and the bible says as men that are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god thank you jesus all right everybody open to the book of judges chapter 6 judges chapter 6 judges chapter 6 the book of judges chapter 6 thank you jesus thank you father thank you jesus i'm going to read from verse 11 and i'm going to stop at verse 13 the bible says and there came an angel of the lord and sat on that an hook which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abizrite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Verse 12 And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee thou mighty man of valor and verse 13 and gideon said unto him oh my lord if the lord be with us <laughs> this is a very funny question why then is all this befalling us and where be all his miracles which our fathers told us saying that not the lord bring us from egypt but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. May the Lord bless the hearing and the reading of the word for the salvation of our soul. Amen. So very simple. This this was a very, very serious season for Gideon and the old children of Israel because they were they were under the the captivity of the Midianites at, at that particular time. And if you read from verse one. You know, in, in the whole covenant, when these guys, when they do something good, they get something good. And then when, when they do evil in the sight of God, when they do something bad, when they sin against God, <laughs> they get something bad. So the only way God always used to punish them then is to deliver them into the hands of their enemies. So when they are good, when they worship God, when they are faithful, then God delivers them. If they mess up, God send them into the hands of their enemy. So that has been the custom in the old covenant. But thank God, there is a new covenant for us today. Now, when I mean new covenant, I'm not technically meaning New Testament or Old Covenant, meaning Old Old Testament. Old Covenant was just the whole event that happened from Exodus chapter 20 when God gave the law. And then the new covenant started 
at the death and the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, when Jesus was about to die, he said, this is my blood. He said, and this is my body. But specifically, he said, this is my blood, which speaks of the new covenant. There is a new covenant. If you're born again, you should understand you are under the new covenant. In fact, the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that we have been made ministers of the new covenant. Our preaching today should be based on new covenant, no longer old covenant. Old covenant teaching is a teaching whereby you tell people they have to be good before they can get something good from God. And if they mess up or if they are not good, that something bad will happen to them. That is old covenant kind of teaching. We are not ministers of old covenant. The Bible calls us ministers of new covenant. You know what new covenant is all about? The new covenant is that today we can, or better still, we are getting the good we don't deserve. You know why? Because Jesus took all the bad that he didn't deserve on the cross of Calvary. So we are ministers of good news. Our words must edify, comfort, and exhort the listeners. Today, our message must be centered around faith, hope, and love. Telling people there is hope for them and they should have faith in God and God loves them. So, but in the whole testament or in the whole covenant, precisely, the, the, the way God related with them is if they are good, then God remains good to them. If they are not, God deals with them. But thank God God dealt with Jesus on the cross of Calvary so that today he can give you complete access to him. So in the new covenant, it doesn't work like that. Jesus is our high priest. God doesn't deal with us based on our goodness. That is old covenant. God deals with us today based on Jesus' goodness. God doesn't love you because you are good. He loves you because he is good and his mercies enjoy forever. So when you talk about the old covenant, it is more about our standing with god so the day you stand right then you are blessed the day you don't then the opposite go ahead number 28 it talks about the fact that if you obey then you are blessed if you disobey then you are cursed that was old covenant in the new covenant we are under the grace and what does that simply mean that means god is not relating with us based on us but is relating with us based on jesus i know i preached recently on the fact that jesus is our high priest hebrews chapter 5 talks about high priest if you read Hebrews chapter 5 down, it talks about that Jesus is now high priest. Even starting from verse 4. What does it mean to be an high priest? Now, a prophet represents God to the people. A prophet is standing on behalf of God towards the people. But an high priest is representing men in the sight of God. So it's like what an opposite. A prophet is representing God in the sight of men. But an high priest is representing men in the sight of God. So when God relates with us today, he relates with us based on our high priest. And thank God Jesus is our high priest. If your high priest is good, then you are good as far as God is concerned. So that's why God said he has chosen Jesus. He has made Jesus as an high priest order after the order of Melchizedek. So when God sees you today, God doesn't look at you. He looks at you from the lens of your high priest and his name is Jesus. So you are forever accepted in the sight of God. You know why? Because Jesus is accepted in the sight of God. But long story short, these guys were going through a tough season. And then in the midst of their tough season, an angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon in chapter in verse 12. Judges 6, 12. Now, what the angel said was what I want to bring is what I want to bring your attention to. 
the Bible says, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee. Stop. You know, most of the time, an every person wants to live by sight and he thinks when he has money in his account, God is with him. If he doesn't have money in his account, he think, God, where have you left me? That was the same way Gideon was thinking. He was living by sight. As a believer, you shouldn't live by sight, you should live by faith. That God is with you should not be defined by the amount in your account. If you think God is with you because you have $10,000 in your account and the day you only have 2000 naira, you feel as if God, why have you left me? God didn't leave you. Don't box God to your bank account. God is forever and always with you. Your situation may not be the way you want it, but it doesn't change your identity in Christ. You are still radically loved. You are still the blessed of God. It doesn't matter how much you have in your account. You are blessed. You know, an avid believer today feels as if he doesn't have a job for two months or if he doesn't have money for two months, maybe they are doing him from the village. If you are born again, nobody is doing you. Nobody can do you. <laughs> nobody can touch you. Touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. That's what the scripture says. So you are untouchable if you are born again. You can because you, there's nothing called you breaking generational cause. You don't have generational cause if you are born again. You only have generational blessings. The Bible says in the book of Numbers, Balaam was saying, Indeed, the Lord has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. The blessing of God on your life is irreversible. So stop thinking you are trying to break generational causes or because you don't have money in your account or because you're going through a season. You don't put yourself under self-bondage or under, don't build strong good for yourself. You are the blessed of God and there's nothing you can do about it. You are radically blessed. It's either you are blessed or you are cursed. If you're born again, you are blessed. If you're not born again, then you are not blessed. If you're born again, Jesus took all your costs. So don't think you are breaking generational costs. If you think you, you want to go and be looking for a man of God to break generational costs, how, how, how many generations ago or how many, how, to what generation do you want the man of God to break generational costs? Is it to your fourth generation? Because you don't know, if you, want, if you think you are still cursed, then you don't know to what generation. Is it 10th generation? Where did the cost start from? <laughs> so I'm just say it's a journey that you don't want to start because it doesn't exist. You are the blessed of God. And I'm going to prove that to you as well. That's, in fact, that's the whole me- essence of this message. How does God see you? Because you are more of who God says you are. And we have to come to God's level because he wants us to live by faith and not by sight. The highest, the reason why man is always worried, is always scared, is because he's possibly looking at things from a physical point of view. That's why most of the time when we pray, God brings us to his level. It makes you see things from his own perspective. And then, then you come to a place of rest. So long story short, they were in the midst of a situation and the angel said, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. This is who heaven sees Gideon to be, a mighty man of valor. Literally, they were going to season. And then in the midst of the situation, the identity the angel called Gideon was a mighty man of valor. Have you ever been to a situation before and you say, Lord, I'm weak. You are not weak. You may think you are, and sadly, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But as far as heaven is concerned, your situation doesn't define you. You may not have money in your account and you are shouting, you are broke. Oh, broke, you know? It doesn't change anything with heaven. God wants you to come to a place whereby he sees you the way he sees you. How does God see Gideon, even in the midst of a situation? 
how does God see you? Bible calls Gideon mighty man of valor. Even Gideon doesn't believe in himself. He doesn't even agree that he's mighty because he's seeing all of them as weak. But in the midst of their weakness, God acknowledged Gideon mighty man of valor. You will go through situations in life and one of the beginning or one of the best days to start understanding how you can win or how to overcome your situation is to remind yourself who God says you are. You know, there are so many places in the scripture whereby in the New Testament precisely, so many people with challenge, there was a man, they called him the man, the invalid man, the woman with the history of blood. There are so many situations that happen to people whereby they have to redefine their name based on their situation. But we today as born again believers, your situation does not define you. You can't call yourself your name and your situation because that is not who you are. If you're born again, you are now the son of God. You are a daughter of God. And you should start seeing you the way God sees you. So this is just one. Another person in the scripture I want to show you. Very popular story. The story of Mary. Luke chapter 1. And then similar story. Mary was just a young girl who was just, I mean, wake up in the morning, do her normal course or house chores, and then just live her life, very gentle girl, easy going. And then one particular day, the Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So Mary was just almost planning her wedding. She, she knows who she's going to get married to. She was dating, <laughs> she, was, she was dating Joseph. Mary, Mary was dating Joseph. And by the way, the next session will be relationship session. So <laughs> And, but basically, if you're looking for where dating is in the Bible, Mary was dating Joseph here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then the Bible says in verse 28, the same event, don't forget, the Bible says, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Similar punchline with the same punchline in Judges chapter 6. In Judges chapter 6, the angel said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. In Luke chapter 1, the angel said, The Lord is with you, you who are highly favored. You know, at times, God will just allow some major events to happen in our lives to remind us who we are in Christ. God will allow you to listen to some sermons like this to remind you who you are in Christ. I don't really know what any of you is going through right now, but you know, this is one of the best times to remind yourself who you are in Christ. You know, verse 29, just to let you understand that verse 29, the Bible says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greetings this might be. Mary was shocked. What do you mean when you say you are highly favored? Because even at that time, I possibly think Mary was planning her wedding and she doesn't even have everything figured out yet. And then an angel appeared me saying, you are favored. What do you mean favored? Me that I'm just a young child and then you know, it, at times it can be ironic whereby you are focused too much on your situation and the God is still saying you are strong, you are not weak. When you think, oh my God, this weakness in my life, God, I'm a sinner. Because you know, no, no, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. 
And the whole, like I said, essence of this teaching is to bring you back to the consciousness of who God says you are. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And this is where your strength lies. The angel said, the Lord is with you. You are highly favored. And if you're born again today, the good news is you are highly favored. You are not trying to be favored. And every believer thinks because he applied for a job that they didn't take him, he applied for admission that they didn't give him, he thinks, oh my God, something is wrong. Nothing is wrong with you. <laughs> Do you understand? You know what happens to you? The scripture says all of those things that didn't work out, they are working together for your good. The fact that it didn't work out is the proof that he's working out for your good. That that disappointment is working out for your good. And every believer thinks because somebody breaks up with him or her, he feels as if, oh my God, they are doing you. Nobody is doing you. Don't redefine yourself because of your situation. You are not in your situation. You are the son of the living God. So this is the second major event whereby this woman was just a, like, she's seen herself just from the normal, well, I'm just a young girl. Because around that time, she was around 14, 13 years old. That's around the time they get married according to their traditions. So Mary was around 13, 14 years of age at that time. Imagine just waking up and then you are thinking, oh my God, I'll be getting married soon. Huh? I'll be starting a new life soon. And then somebody appears and says, you're favored. You're like, what are you talking about? The Bible literally added it in verse 29, Luke 1, 29. She was greatly troubled at the words. She was surprised. She was shocked. Oh, Mary, you are highly favored. In fact, NLT version of 29 says she was confused and disturbed. Mary try to think what the angel could mean that means at that point of mary's life she's still yet to even in, for example if an angel appeared to me right now and say hey i came the love of god i won't have issues i won't even be troubled i know i'm radically loved by god do you understand <laughs> because i know my scripture but the reason why mary could be confused according to the scripture she was greatly troubled and that says she was disturbed nlt says is because she was like you mean i am favored <laughs> because she was shocked and let me just tell you this the good news is at times you may get to a point where you forget who you are in christ all because of what is happening around you the bible says the just shall live by faith god doesn't want you to live by sight so the, our first person in the whole testament was gideon the bible called the mighty man of valor our second person was mary the bible calls our a uh what's it called a holy spirit highly favored she was highly favored if you read the book of daniel chapter 9 and 10 an angel appeared to daniel as well and said daniel um you are highly esteemed you are loved by god long story short is just when heaven sees you they don't see you based on what is happening around you heaven sees you from the lens of god and the whole essence of this teaching is to bring you to a consciousness of how God sees you. Stop saying you are broke or because you don't have money in your account. Because in the spirit, as far as heaven is concerned, you can never be broke. So God's supply towards your life is not the same as the way you are defined in the sight of men. That's why so many people try to get men's validation because they feel as if they need approval, they need validation. You already have got validation. You just have to understand how this thing works. And that's why I'm trying to just take time to still lay the foundation from the scripture first. 
so mary daniel gideon the way god sees them and god confirmed this thing when the angel appears to them you are highly esteemed of the lord you are the favored of god you are mighty man of valor how does god see you personally if you are listening to this and you're possibly too focused on any area of your life you're like oh my god no relationship is working out oh my god i don't have money all my friends are this all my parents are that and you have so many punchlines you've been saying lately rather than declaring who you are in christ and reminding yourself that there's hope for you that god is with you that god is for you is not against you rather than talking the same way naomi talked naomi said well don't call me naomi call me mara because the lord has done something to her no no no. god loves you and never redefine who you are because of what is happening around you i've come to bring you to a place whereby you start seeing yourself the way god sees you if god is laying something in your heart if god is giving you a ministry right now and then you're like god how will i start what will i do there was somebody in the bible as well his name is jeremiah and then god said before i formed you in your mother's womb jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 and 6 i've known you have ordained you to be a prophet and then jeremiah said god i don't know how to speak oh i am too young is in the scripture the same way we give excuse to god as well you know why because an average human wants to define himself based on what is happening around it based on the things he can see so you can see your weakness so you want to remind god your weakness as if god doesn't know about your weakness so at times you get to that point whereby we start trying to live by sight Bible says the just the righteous shall live by faith and how does faith comes faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of god so verse 7 jeremiah 1 7 the bible says but the lord said to me do not say i am too young do not say i am too young don't talk your weakness don't confess your your lack don't confess the things you don't have don't confess your inadequacy confess the word of god do not say i am too young the bible says when jesus was teaching just said take no thought saying what shall we eat don't worry yourself and start confessing oh my god what would i like to what would that happen to me oh don't the bible says do not say i am too young so how does god see you because i just proved this from the scripture that god doesn't see us the way our situation sees us i just read from the scripture that god doesn't relate with you based on your bank account i just read from the scripture that god doesn't relate with you because you deserve it because the angel appeared to mary when she was not expecting it when she didn't deserve it she was favored she was highly favored and grace is undeserved favor and every one of us today because of what jesus has done grace came through what jesus has done and then we are favored today so these are the things i want to leave you with ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 i'm going to read from verse 3 to verse 7. how does god see you what should you keep in mind so that when you go through situation the bible calls it shield of faith shield of faith when you go through stuff in life because we will all go through situations in life when you find yourself a different season of your life because we will all go through seasons of our lives how should you see yourself ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 verse verse 3 to verse 7 the bible says praise be to the god our father our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in christ 
So for a start, one of the best ways to see yourself according to the scripture is that you should always see yourself blessed. You are not trying to be blessed. You are the blessed of God. And everything around you at times we want to prove otherwise. You might have been trying to get a job for many months, many years. And then you are almost trying to redefine yourself. I, I hope something is not wrong with me. I hope it's not because of what I've done in the past. Nope, that's not scriptural. According to the scripture, which cannot be broken, the Bible says God has blessed you. Not in the future. He has blessed you. Not maybe he will bless you. He has blessed you. Not because you have to do or undo anything. He has blessed you in Christ. If you are born again, according to the scripture, the way heaven sees you is you are the blessed of God. And you have to keep this to heart. You know, this is one of the things I personally remind myself most of the time. I know I, I, I tell you guys this. I told you guys this one time like that. When, when I, anytime I check my account and I realize it's not where I want it to be, I just take it as the best opportunity for me to declare the word of God. Father, I thank you because I'm not declined by my bank account. I am the blessed of God. So the goodness and the favor of God is haunting me down. That's how believers talk. You don't redefine yourself based on what you can see because the things you can see are subject to change. Bible says, but the things you can't see, they are eternal. And thank God we are the blessed of God. So because you are the blessed of God, the goodness, the favor, the blessings of God is hunting you down. So you are not trying to be blessed. You have all spiritual blessings. You have favor on your life. When you have a job interview, when you have any assignment, project, you are not trying to be blessed. You are not trying to be wise. You are not trying to figure it out. You have got wisdom over your life. Well, you want to enter the next phase of your life, you want to get married, you want to start a new relationship, you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be saying, oh my God, will I be a good wife? Will I be a good husband? Will I be a good partner? No, don't think about that. You have every spiritual blessing. And wisdom is part of this thing. First Corinthians 1.30 says, Christ has been made unto us wisdom. So Jesus is your wisdom. He will definitely help you in that season. I mean, that's how heaven sees you. And that's how you should start seeing you. Don't say things like, oh my God, my last relationship didn't work out. Will this one work out now? No. Don't bring yourself down to the realm of sight. Remain in the realm of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight to believe that what God has given you, you receive. Fight to believe that what God has done in your life is permanent. Fight to believe that you are the blessed, the favored, the blessed of God. So you have spiritual blessings. All not a bit and this is another scripture to counter people that preach generational causes because if the bible says god has blessed you with every spiritual blessing then there's no room for any generational cause do you understand what they just said if you have been blessed with every all spiritual blessings there is no room for any generational cause there's not i mean it doesn't sound logical to say you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings then some generational cause that, that is not it doesn't make sense it's not logical it's not scriptural the only thing you've been blessed with is all spiritual blessings. So there's no room for any generational causes. So the Bible says you've been blessed. True spirituality, this is good news. You are the blessed of God. The favored of God. Looking for where to manifest. You are not trying to be rich. This is, see, motivational speakers, they preach this a lot that you have to do so many things to be rich. 
if you are born again you are not trying to be rich because jesus took your poverty you are the rich in christ looking for where to manifest and if you don't understand this you'll be trying to say lord i want to i want to in in christianity you are not wanting to you already are in fact our christian journey starts from a place of rest whereby you know that you are already one with christ seated in him at the right hand of the father we are already complete in him christianity is not i'm trying to be righteous i'm trying to be complete in christ no that's religion christianity is you already are complete in christ colossians 2 10 and then you are starting your journey from a place of complete christianity is not you trying to overcome an addiction you don't understand your scripture if you think you are trying to overcome christianity is you overcame past tense by the blood of the lamb and by the words of your testimony your victory in christianity is not in the future you are not trying to win it's not lord keep help me that's not scriptural christianity is all your victory has been given to you in the past over 2000 years ago on the cross in fact you possibly got saved a few years ago you came into that victory so it is not you trying to have the victory it is you resting in the ready-made victory christianity is not lord please forgive me my sins god is not trying to forgive you god forgave you on the cross of calvary jesus took your sins when you believe then you receive his forgiveness so christianity is not about what will happen it is all about what has happened in christ your victory today your dominion today is not in the future is not what you're trying to have is what you already have your anointing if you're in ministry you are not trying to be anointed you already have the fullness of god dwelling within you and this is how this thing works if you don't see this way you'll be redefining yourself based on the happenings around you and then that's not how god wants you to live god wants you to live by sight because heaven when they want to define you they define you by faith they see you from the lens of god and then because we are born again we are seen from the lens of jesus the bible says blessed be the god of our lord jesus christ he has blessed you with every spiritual blessings every wisdom you need to be the best wife wisdom you need to be the best husband he has already blessed you with it you don't have to be going to the mountain and saying lord please you already have it it takes a lot of humility and faith to believe that you already have what god says you have because we're in a religious world whereby people feel as if they have to do to have but christianity is jesus has done so you have it's not about what you do it's all about what he has done so that we can all say what is the lamb that was slain to receive power blessings and riches and the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of christ and of his father so verse 4 ephesians 1 4 the bible says he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in the sight in love so god chose you if you are feeling unworthy you are like god i don't deserve to be used by you god why are you calling something like he chose you 
But in car, you don't know where I'm coming from. You don't have to confuse God for choosing you. God was convinced about everything in your life. He knows about every aspect of your life. And yet, He chose you. And the best thing you can do when somebody chooses you is to be humble and say thank you. You know, as a believer, we have so many assignments to do. And you begin to leave that assignment, the more you begin to respond and see yourself the way God sees you. Nobody has their life off you, God. Out. I mean, I'm preaching right now and I've been preaching for many, many months. And it's not because I have my life figured out. God chose me. You know what it means to be humble? It's just for me to keep responding to God. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus and what he has done for me. So I don't come seeing myself. I come and I just see myself from the lens of Christ. So you don't have to focus on you or your past or your mistakes or the things you can't do. If God chooses you, then it's because he knows you are the best for the assignment. He knows that you are the best person that can do that which he has committed into your hands. God chose you. He knows about your weakness. And the truth is, no, but ev- no you, are, you are not, you are not, you, you, you don't have to be disqualifying yourself in your mind and say, Lord, I don't deserve it. The reason why you don't deserve it, in fact, the fact that you don't deserve it is the proof <laughs> that you are the best for it. That's how God works. God doesn't choose those that 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 deserve it in their sight. God chooses people that don't deserve it. It's called grace, undeserved favor, undeserved goodness. Glory to Jesus. So verse 5 says, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So when God chose you and he predestined you for adoption, verse 6 says, to the praise of his glorious grace. So it is all to the praise of glorious grace of Jesus. It's all about him. Grace is undeserved favor. So God is doing everything he's doing in your life so that his grace can be glorified. Hallelujah. Bible says, which he freely give, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So the reason why God is doing everything in your life, yes, you may not deserve it. None of us deserve it. The reason why God is doing what he's doing in our lives is because of his grace. And he has freely given us. You know, I can preach on this for a while, but let me just preach on it in a few minutes. Everything you get from God today is for free. I know so many people have a notion of if they pray to God for something and they don't get results, they should mix fasting with it. Maybe they will get more results. Your fasting, your slowing doesn't get you results in the sight of God. It is all about Jesus. The reason why God answers your prayer is because you pray in the name of His Son, Jesus. The reason why you are loved by God, you are accepted forever righteous, is because of what Jesus has done. It has nothing to do with what you do or what you don't do. And I feel as if I can teach on fasting for quite a while. Since you guys are connected, this is supposed to be a teaching on its own, maybe in the future, but let me just teach on fasting. Against religious, um, what's it called? Against religious notion about fasting. Fasting is not what we think it is. Fasting is not, oh my God, guys, let us fast to move God. In the new covenant, that's not the reason why we fast. In the old covenant, yes, that was the reason why they fasted. You must fast in the old covenant. Because the whole covenant concept is all about the things you do 
to get God's approval, to get God's blessing. So these guys in the Old Covenant have to do so many things to earn God's approval. You see, we are in the New Covenant whereby God is already pleased with us. In the Old Covenant, they have to do things to please God. In the New Covenant, we are already pleased. God is already pleased with us based on what Jesus has done. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 3, God said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then you got born again, you receive his son into your heart. And because his son, Jesus, now lives in your heart, then God is pleased with you. God accepts you today because you accepted his son. That's how it works. So you are not trying to please God. Your fasting doesn't move God. Your slowing doesn't slow God. <laughs> I'm not against fasting. I'm not against slowing. I'm trying to make you understand scripture. Don't get into old covenant mentality if you are living in new covenant dispensation. So what does fasting represent in our own covenant, new covenant? Fasting in our own time is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's called self-control. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is called self-control. And if I teach on this, I know this will really, really help so many of you. So you stop fasting to try and make God do something. If you want anything from God, no matter what it is, should I tell you how to get it? Just ask in the name of Jesus. That is all you need. Should I tell you something? If you're trusting for anything right now, or if you want anything as I'm speaking right now, just say, Father, I want this, and I believe you will give me in Jesus' name. That is the totality of the prayer point you need to pray. You don't need to add to it. You don't need to reduce from it. Just make sure you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And you will get whatsoever you say, scripturally speaking. Today, I know there are so many principles, so many experiences, so many things people say that principles of getting. No, 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 sir. Jesus himself said, whatever things you ask in my name, I will do it. He said it in two places. And I've personally, I've tried this and I've gotten tremendous results. Whereby I will intentionally pray less than two minutes prayer. Because I know I'm not praying and I'm not getting results based on me. I'm getting based on what Jesus has done. Anyway, so fasting in the new covenant is all about self-control. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The moment you start fasting, it's almost as if you're punishing yourself. Don't, don't kill yourself. So basically, it's more like self-control. And self-control in our dispensation is not limited to food. At times, if you realize you're getting too addicted to social media, you can, you just, at times, for some of you, you realize the Holy Spirit is just cautioning you about spending too much time on, on the movies, on, on social media, and then you just decide in some days, you know what, I'm not going to go on Instagram today. I'm not going to spend too much time on Netflix today. And that is the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. And then you withdraw from what you almost can do without in the case of food in fact the best time to fast is when you realize you can't do without food <laughs> that, that's best because it's self-control the Holy Spirit will start checkmating you about these things if not for anything your body is now the temple of god so you can't eat any out because <laughs> the temple of god is what you carry so there are times this week gives you a nudge and say okay you know what don't eat too well and they're like, oh my God. And then, I mean, depends on how God relates with you. But it's self-control. So you realize you almost can't do without something. Or you realize you're spending much more time on something. 
or you are investing too much on something that is not glorifying God or that is not edifying you, the Holy Spirit puts a checkmate in your heart to fast from that thing and then you withdraw from it. At times for some of you, it's, it's a particular gathering. You just know anytime you go, it's just always not edifying you. And then you're just like, no, I'm not going again. I mean, for, for a while, I just need time. I just want to withdraw a bit from going to this particular place. So in, in the context of food, when you realize, okay, possibly tomorrow you have to, for example, this is money in Canada. And then you realize, wait, 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 you've been eating too much lately. And then this will just put a checkpoint in your heart. It's called self-control. It can't be taught. You know, we teach it today, but it can't literally be taught because it's a fruit of the Spirit. If we begin to teach self-control, then <laughs> we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work. And the Holy Spirit has a way of relating with every single one of us. But in the context of fasting, just to answer the question again is, so when you fast, basically, is you withdrawing, you taking time as you are being led by the Spirit of God to deny yourself of something you would usually have done. Not because you want to punish yourself, but because you have the spirit of self-control. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of love, power, and of self-control. Whereby you know when to say no to things. Not because you can't have them, but because you won't. The Holy Spirit on you will not allow you to have it. It's self-control. So when you fast, it's not because you can't eat. It's because you won't, because you know you are just withdrawing. You just want to stay away from food. At times you stay away from the media. I know people who stay away from the media. I know people who have deleted their Facebook. Or because they just know it's taking so much of their time. Nobody told them. It's called self-control. Nobody preached to them. People that they are preaching to, all of the Holy Spirit, they are spending more time on media. It takes the Holy Spirit to convince you of these things. It's called self-control. And God, for some of you, it may be in any way. It's not just specific to food. For some of you, did I, I blow your mind? For some of you, it may be as simple as checking too much WhatsApp story. <laughs> and then those will just check with you. Wait, just don't. Self-control. Holy Spirit will minister to himself. He's a fruit of the Spirit. Today, it is sad. We are trying to make people walk self-control. It's a fruit that should manifest in every believer. And God is waiting with every one of us differently. So you get what I'm trying to say? So fasting, slowing is not to move God. No, it's a fruit of the Spirit called self-control. But by times when the Holy Spirit tells you, stay away from food. Stay away from this for a while. Stay away from it. Not because you can't have it, but because the Spirit working in you is the Spirit of self-control. Hallelujah. I hope you get that. That is supposed to be a message on its own. I just really preached that in five minutes and then let me wrap up. So don't forget the only sense of this message is to make you understand, make you see you the way God sees you. See you the way God sees you. Don't see you the way you're, you're defined in your environment, your community and every other thing. See you the, the way God sees you specifically. So the Bible says in verse 6, to the praise of his name, he has really given us in, in the one he loves. Another version says, we are accepted in the beloved. I love that one. Talks about the Father, we are accepted in the one he loves. The reason why God loves you today is because of what Jesus has done. And he has given you this love for free. You are not trying to earn God's love. You already have it. Most believers, sadly, they are trying to get God's approval. Some of us we, we, that we know, we are radically loved. We know we already have God's love. 
you are not trying to be loved by God. You know, so with some of you, you are trying to fall in love with yourself. You are trying to fall in love with your body. Well, God loves you, your body, everything about you, the way you are. And we should come to a place where we accept and we see things the way God sees it. You don't have to get to a point where your body looks like somebody's body before you love your body. No, no. Nah. See, there are so many things I don't really know why believers stress themselves about. We just want to compare ourselves. Don't do all this rubbish. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of hard work. See you the way God sees you. To the praise of His glorious grace, He has freely given us in the one He loves. God loves you because of what Jesus has done for you. His acceptance towards you is not based on you. In fact, Song of Solomon chapter 4 verse 7, one of my favorite verse, it says, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. I wish an average person can put that on the wall of his room or our room. Mostly ladies, the Bible says you are altogether beautiful. You will know that everything you do to adorn yourself is not to be beautiful. It's because you're already beautiful. It's blessed that you if you know you're already beautiful because that's what the scripture says about you. I mean, I think you need God's validation more than men's validation because it will give you inner confidence. Our transformation as believers is from inside out. Don't be looking for men's validation to think to before you can accept that you're beautiful. So that means you're getting your validation from the outside in. No, scripturally, it's from the inside out. You are, I mean, you are a Bible. Song of Solomon 4, 7. You are altogether beautiful. That's how God sees you. There is no flaw in you. Amen. These are powerful places in the scripture. These are powerful places in the scripture. If Jeremiah understands that scripture, he will not be telling God, God, I can't speak. That means you are focusing your flaw. If God is saying there is no flaw in you, and you are telling God, reminding God, I say, God, FYI, should in case you don't know, God is all-knowing. He knows everything. And he says there is no flaw in you. Because why? He wants you to focus on his son who is blameless and spotless. That's why the Bible says as you behold his image as in a glass, we are being transformed into the image we see from glory to glory. That's how this thing works. You are altogether beautiful, true spirituality network. That's good news to me. So you are not doing everything. You are not adorning your body. You are not wearing the best of dress to be beautiful. Because if you think you are doing that to be beautiful, the day you wear good dress, you say, oh my God, you are beautiful. The day you don't, you may have depression throughout that day. Don't attach your beauty to what is you put on, what you don't put on. Attach it to the word of God that can never change. You are altogether beautiful. See you the way God sees you. This is what will give you confidence. Most especially as a lady, you don't need to get men's validation before you know that you are beautiful. When the Bible says in black and white, when imagine Jesus right sending you an Amazon letter and attach his song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 7. He says, Hello, dear, you are altogether beautiful. There's no flaw in you. And then Jesus Christ, your lover. How will you feel? You don't need anybody's validation. This is how you to be to be confident in what God has given to you. Finally, I have one more minute. Verse 7 says, In Him, in Jesus, glory to God. Only in Jesus we have confidence. Okay, I'm reading my own version. <laughs> Sorry. In Him we have redemption through, the, through His blood. Today we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Redeemed means you've been purchased with a price. You've been bought with a price. And then the Bible says, We have forgiveness of sins. Ah, <sighs> So sad I have one minute for this, but it's okay. We have, listen, this is your scripture. You are not trying to be forgiven. You have the forgiveness of sins. Psalm 103 verse 3 says, He who forgives all of your sins and he heals all your diseases. 
this is one of the key ways to to live a healthy life in christ this is one of the key ways to live a life of no condemnation when you know you are forgiven the book of luke chapter 7 verse 47 says he who is forgiving much loves much he who is forgiving little loves little the reason why i think i possibly believe the reason why i radically love god today he loves me do i love him because he loved me first but the reason why i think I'm, i am radically sorry i'm mixing it up the reason why i think i love god much today is because i know i'm being forgiven much god does not forgive or god has not forgiven your sin until your next mistake that's what religion teaches religion will teach you well now but don't mess up sir god has forgiven all your sins scripture i mean don't come for me check it Ephesians 1 7 but Yinka, how much am I forgiven? The answer is still in Ephesians 1. The Bible says you'll be forgiven in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Another version says, according to the riches of His grace. And you may not understand what that means until when, I, when you say things like, can you measure the riches of God's grace? Because if you can, which nobody can't, the same way the Bible says, God will supply my needs according to the riches of His glory. You can't measure it. According to the reach of God's glory in Christ, you can't measure it. If you have to qualify it with money, you can't put a figure on it. How much do you think God has in his account? You can't measure it. And because you can't measure the riches of God's grace, you've been totally forgiven because of what Jesus has done for you. You know why? So that today you can say, worthy is the lamb that was slain. God loves you and he has taken away every barrier that would hinder your relationship and his relationship. He took it by the death of his beloved son one of the best ways you can appreciate what jesus did for you is to live in the reality of somebody who has been forgiven no matter what you've done in the past all your sins are forgiven and that is the good news about christ because of what jesus have done all your sins are forgiven and that's what the gospel is all about this was the gospel paul peter this guy is preached in the scripture all your sins are forgiven the book of Acts, chapter 13 verse 38 and 39 the bible says therefore my friends i want you to know that through jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you through him everyone who believes is set free from every sin a justification you were not able to obtain from the law of moses long story short is this all your sins are forgiven you are not trying to be forgiven like i said all your blessings in christ they are not well try your best you will have it no all your blessings in christ have all been given to you from the day you got saved please never think you are trying to be rich never think you're trying to be blessed never think you're trying to be favored never think you're trying to be righteous never think you're trying to be forgiven you know why because you have already been blessed you are already rich in christ you have already been forgiven in christ you're already the blessed of god you're already loved by god you are the righteousness of god in christ that is how it works i hope i've been able to carry you and transition you from you thinking you are trying to to a point whereby you know you already are because the angel appeared to mary he didn't say hey mary the one who will be favored no he said, hey, Mary, you who are currently to spirituality, God loves you. He is not trying to love you. He loves you. You should believe it. He is not trying to bless you. He has blessed you. And until you start thinking as the blessed of God, you may not begin to see some results. 
Excuse me. Because the Bible says, as a man think in his heart, so is he. Thank you, Jesus. And this is what the goodness of God is all about. Isn't this so good? To me, this sounds so good. See you the same way God sees you. All together beautiful. If you want to write it in your room to remind yourself. And that's all that matters. Honestly. You don't have to prove point to anybody. You don't have to get men's validation when you already have God's validation. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then we'll keep these words to heart. The Holy Spirit will bear witness with this truth in our heart and our lives. We give you all the praise. We go in that consciousness of who we are in you. The blessed of God. The favored of God. The one whom you loved radically. The one who you have forgiven. The one who has been blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. We give you all the praise. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, I be prayed. And let God's people say, Amen. Thank you so much, everybody. God bless you. Oh, it was such an awesome, awesome time. I really enjoyed myself personally. Um, major announcement. Relationship session is in the next session. And we didn't send an email yesterday. Uh, yeah, just yesterday. We'll send it next week from next week. I have school exams. I've been busy. <laughs> Oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. All right, um, but relationship session is in the next session. And finally, um, Kevadulam Academy. If you're yet to register for the academy, you should register for the academy. It will really, really bless you, really, really transform your life. And then um, if you're yet to make payment for the certificate, you should do that before April 15 so that we can um send you the um the admission letter for the academy. And then um, that's going to start in May. Um, in, by Saudi, I want to say in Saudi, but by Saudi, we are, we are resuming our um, physical meeting here in Canada from Saudi. And that means those in Nigeria will start joining us from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Nigerian time. It's going to be 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Canada, Winnipeg Canada time. And then it's going to be an awesome experience. I'm just telling you guys ahead of time. And finally, tomorrow is my birthday. Whoa. And I won't be preaching tomorrow. <laughs> I'm taking tomorrow off. Yeah, but I think I'll be doing a 10-minute Instagram live tomorrow just to say hi to everybody, to preach the gospel as well, of course, and to share a bit about how God has helped us. Yeah, long story short, thank you so much for connecting. Don't forget who you are in Christ or anything because that's all that matters. I'll see you guys in the next session. Peace out. If you have been blessed by this message, we invite you to partner with us to send the gospel of God's love to all nations. Send us an email on truespiritualitynetwork at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms, True Spirituality Network on both Facebook and Instagram, T-Spirituality on Telegram, and Akimika on YouTube. So cash up with all our podcasts, search for Akimika on all major platforms, including Spotify, audio mark and anchor as you feed on god's love for you allow his love to cast out every fear and remember it's not about you it's all about jesus